you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is episode 139, Zombie Strike, Chapter 10, Shooting Better, Concealed Carry Reciprocity. And I think I'm feeling a little funky. More on that in a few minutes. On your favorite Righteous Podcast, coming up next. Crossbreedholsters.com presents the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun. Your friend and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it. It's a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic. All right. I want to welcome all my new listeners and thank you for those who have found me from their armed American radio station. Big shout out to Mark Walters, and I really appreciate his help in getting the word out about the Urban Shooter podcast. Well, if you don't have a hat on, how about you just sit still for a second or face the American flag if you're around and you're not driving or operating some heavy machinery. And let's give a little respect to all glory as JW gives us our Pledge of Allegiance to start this party off proper. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. You know, in the last couple of weeks and months, actually, you've allowed me to sing some offbeat songs. And uh, thank you for not stoning me for trying. But, you know, I'm having a ball down here underneath the washer and dryer of the Blanchard Estates. I mean, I really have fun singing, even though it doesn't sound, you know, copacetic, totally kosher all the time. If anything makes you happy, I think you should do a little bit more often. Speaking of stuff that makes you laugh, I was trying to figure out, I've ranged from 60s, 70s, 80s, country rock, southern rock, and this song popped into my head, and I thought, why not? Sit back and ask yourself, where were you when you heard this?
flipping around and she thinks I'm running and she dives into me and hits me in the gonads and I almost fell over but I'm still laughing because, because I'm having such a good time make sure you let your dog know that you're dancing and not roughhousing it you can dance come on Let your head bob. Go ahead. We pro-gun. We pro-fun. The Urban Shooter Podcast, baby. Don't hate. Yeah. That's a mother for you, huh? Hey, if you're a handgun shooter, you know that there are marksmanship tips that can make you shoot better. There are things in marksmanship that allow you to perfect your craft. And if you don't master them, they'll master you. I'm talking about grip and trigger control, sight alignment and sight picture. Stance. You know, that kind of thing. But let's go past that for a moment. Let's go deeper than that. What can make you shoot better? Yes, you have to have a strong grip and you have to have your hand in the right place for that. And your trigger control has to be a press and a, a direct push back to the rear. It can't be candid or slighted or any way off center 
or your firearm will move. Your sight picture has to be just right. You have to put everything aligned correctly or wherever you point your barrel, it won't go. But you know, the most important piece of that is more than your stance, it's your focus. One of the great things about focus is that if you can master your focus, that skill level of focusing on a target, focusing on an object, focusing on a target, focusing on a job, focusing on improving yourself. If you can increase your focus as you practice it in shooting, you can increase your focus in life. Ah, now that I have your attention, focus is pretty important. One of the things about being being me, actually, is that I get a chance to dwell on both levels, both on your mental, your physical, and your spiritual. And it's not all about guns all the time. Sometimes it's between that space between your ears. And I'm just trying to get you to be a little better you, whatever you is. Now, there's two things that you want to make sure that you don't do. There's a difference between focus and obsession. So how do I focus? I'm not going to be obsessed over this thing, but how do I become a better person, a better shooter, a better whatever? Here's some things to remember to help you with your focus. Number one, you have to eliminate distractions. Think about when you go to the range, indoor ranges, and there's about 20 people in the building and they're shooting various calibers and some of them are pretty loud boomers. And if you don't have the right hearing protection, you're distracted by the noise. Well, that noise is also life. If you're shooting and you don't have the proper hearing protection, you can't concentrate. If you're a new shooter and you decide this is what I'm going to do for the you know, next couple of minutes and I'm trying to learn these marksmanship skills. If you don't have your ears protected, you'll be distracted by the noise. You can't help it. It's just too loud. It's going to bother you. In life and in everything else that you do, if you want to focus, the first thing you have to do is eliminate distractions. Now, you can't make them go away all the time, but you can minimize them. Yes, you can. You can take the sting out of them. The first thing you can do is know that they exist. And then work on a strategy for ignoring it for you. Also, like in baseball. You're playing baseball. You're at the bat. And you have those guys in the stands who are heckling you. Hey, bada, 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 swing, bada. And you'll know, start laughing. You will get distracted. But if you can focus on the pitch, focus on your swing, focus on those same techniques, eliminate those distractions, you'll knock it out of the park. The second piece you have to do to focus is to visualize. You have to imagine in your mind, you've already accomplished the task that you're set apart to do. If it's shooting, it's tearing out the X in the bullseye, not anything else less than that. It's the X, not the four ring, not the three ring, not just hitting the paper. It's the tear out the center. You have to see yourself doing that before it happens. Your mind and your eyes all are connected. If your mind wonders before you complete your task, you drift. A second, a millisecond, can miss a paper. 
your mind drifting at the plate, you miss the pitch. You get called a strike. Your mind wandering during a test of whatever type you take, you can lose time. Visualize the win before it happens. Your mind works a lot faster than reality. If you're hit upon with a threat, bad guy appears. Visualize taking him down and looking for the next target. Just that fast. Stopping the threat and moving to the next. And you can't do any of that unless you plan. Step number three. You have to plan to win. You can't be a defeatist. You can't say, oh man, I hope I can make it. I hope I can do this. You must plan. And in your planning, you're preparing. If you know that you are a warrior, if you know that you are a shooter, that you want to be an expert at it, you're going to prepare for it. Not just buy the latest and greatest firearm. You're going to take care of you. Health-wise, you're going to be strong. Your cardio is going to be up. Because in a battle, you have no time to work out. You have no time to pop an energy drink, drink some coffee, or pull your belt and become Sinbad. You got to go on the action. Plain and simple. You can't plan during the fight. You have to be prepared. Fourth piece of this is you have to have rest hooked up in here. Yes, rest. Some of us rest all the time. But if you are up, visualizing, planning, preparing for distractions, you're going to be in a condition that's pretty heightened. You're going to have to put in some rest in there too. You can't work out and never rest. You can't plan and never rest. You're going to have to put in some time so that when you've put in a hard session of practice, you've put in a hard time, you can let your mind wander now. You can have fun. That's part of why this show is what it is. There's a lot of stuff that you do firearms wise that's real serious. Am I right? Yeah. But you forget to laugh sometime. You got to put that in so that when things happen, you've already let that little thing escape. The teapot has been, you know, took the cap off. Let some steam loose. And then the fifth part is create. Each one of us is different. Despite how same um, thinking we are sometimes. We all have our little intricacies, our own little idiosyncrasies, our own little things that make us unique in the universe. Create a plan for you that works for you. Create a way to eliminate distractions for you. Create a way to visualize for you. Just create options for yourself. Allow yourself to think outside the box. Don't share with anybody. Just create it. Let your mind grow. It's called the what ifs. Some people don't like to talk about the what ifs because you can just go into infinity. But if you let that stuff go at the right time, When the S hits the fan, 
you won't be dreaming. You'll be working. So to focus, work on your distractions. Visualize where you want to go. Plan or prepare. Rest adequately. And then act when it's time. That's how you focus. Now, if you want to break that down even more for your life, focus on things for now. Things you want to do. For today, where you want to go. You know, this is the only day that's going to be like this. The only day that's here. Plan and focus for tomorrow. Next week, next month, next year, and a lifetime. If you can throw all those in there, you'll find your life's purpose. Life's purpose, some deep stuff you're talking about, Ken. Hey, you get it all here on the Urban Shooter Podcast. Here's some things you can do to find your life purpose. Since we're there, we move from focusing on shooting to focusing on your life. Find what matters to you. This is the starting point to finding your life's purpose. There's only one purpose, one question that can help you find what matters to you. What is the thing that you care so much about that you're willing to do it for free? Number two, explore your passions. Everybody has a whole bunch of stuff waiting to try. Don't limit yourself to only one passion. Number three, find the intersection between your passions and the things that matter to you the most. Somewhere in there is a sign of what your life purpose could be. Number four is to make a mission statement. I don't like those really, but it should be a one line or 10 words or less. An idea of what your life purpose is. And some people get stuck here and they never recover. But number five helps that out. Keep refining. Finding your life purpose is not something you can do in one day or even one year. Just start with what you have and keep refining it. Over time, the direction of your life will be clearer and clearer. Just some thoughts about focus, your life, and how to get through another day. All right. When I said shooting better, I wasn't really talking about just firearms. You know, you miss 100% of all the shots you don't take. Give life your best shot. I'll be right back after this brief message. This is a public safety announcement of the Urban Shooter Podcast. And I just want to let you know that if you're feeling desperate, alone, or hopeless, if you're in a crisis situation where you can't think of any way to get out, please call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-8255. It's a free 24-hour hotline 
available to anybody in a suicide, crisis, or emotional distress mode right now. Your call will be routed to the nearest crisis center to you. It's free, it's confidential, and it's a network of more than 130 crisis centers nationwide. Call for yourself or someone you care about. If you're thinking about suicide, call 1-800-273-TALK. Thanks for listening. spotlight a couple of websites that if you case you need some information about reciprocity what firearms are able to be transportable what you can do with your concealed carry permits in different states check out handgunlaw.us and it's a very interesting site for people looking for reciprocity information um, for their state and they have a couple of cool interactive programs also and a downloadable list and i have the list on the urban shooter podcast.com second site i want to recommend is usacarry.com. It's a good form for information as well. And again, links are on urbanshooterpodcast.com. That's handgunlaw.us and usacarry.com. Now, some of you already know that, but in case you didn't, now you know. This is Zombie Strike. Part 10. Tampa, Florida, 2300 hours, local, 15 October 2009. Countdown, two years, two months, 16 days. Mateo Cortez woke up with a start. Pain flashed through his body as he tried to escape the nightmare. As he lay back in the unfamiliar bed, Mateo decided it was probably time to seek professional help. The nightmares were getting worse. Mateo looked around the room. It looked like a hospital room. Some sort of IV drip was hooked up to his left arm. Other unfamiliar machines beeped and displayed what Mateo assumed were his vitals. There was something, though, that said this wasn't a hospital room. Could it be an infirmity in a county jail? Mateo could remember the end of the fight with the zombies in the office complex. The men that appeared at the end were cops. Did they arrest him? Yo, boss dude, glad to see you're awake, the Steve said as he entered the room. Mateo relaxed a bit. If the Steve was here, it wasn't jail, which meant that Mateo had no clue as to where he was. The Steve ambled into the room with a casual walk. He was dressed in a black graphic t-shirt, tanned cargo shorts, and flip-flops. The Steve picked up Mateo's chart from the foot of the bed and read silently for a minute. Outward appearance notwithstanding, the Steve was an excellent medic, as Mateo could attest to personally. Well, my man, it looks like you managed to dislocate your shoulder, the Steve pronounced. Doc put it back in and knocked you out with some painkillers. You're shiny. It's just going to hurt a lot. You should be out of here. No prob. Where exactly is here? Mateo asked. 
I don't think I'm in Tampa General or UCH. Are we even still in Florida? Oh, yeah, we're still in Tampa, the Steve answered, putting down the chart. Mackenzie and Winston rented out one of those medical parks and stashed you. Had a real doc come in and fix you up. Mateo was trying to forget about being involved with the shadowy insurance firm. Exactly how did MNW know about this little incident, Mateo asked in a controlled voice. Come on, my man. Zombies, the Steve said, as if that explained everything. As soon as the cops reported zombies in Tampa, M&W swooped in, plucked you out of police custody, and snagged me to watch over you. I think they're tracking something. Mateo arched an eyebrow in a silent question. Zombies showing up in Florida spontaneously were ludicrous. But if M&W was involved, then it was likely the zombies Mateo fought were linked to something bigger. Possibly something world-threatening. Mateo's stomach dropped as Nigel Brown walked into the room. Mateo had nothing against Brown personally. The British representative for MNW had done right by Mateo and his team the last time. That said, the last time Mateo ended up leading his team against an acolyte of an Aztec god and not everyone made it out alive in one piece or even sane. Every instinct in Mateo was screaming that that immaculately dressed Brit's appearance in Tampa boded of ill events. I'm glad to see you're awake, Mr. Cortez, Nigel said with a sharp English accent. Brown was smiling, but the smile didn't reach his eyes. Nigel was worried about something. Nigel didn't tend to worry about small things. Mateo decided not to waste time dickering around with pleasantries. What do you want, Nigel? Mateo asked, trying to soften the blunt words with a calm tone. Or, more to the point, what does M&W want with me? Enough to do all of this. Mateo motioned to the room. The bluntness caught Nigel off guard. His brown, speckled eyes darted around as he collected himself. Um, well, yes, I can see how it appears, Nigel temporized. Please believe me that M&W didn't do this to place you in our debt. You've done us a service, and this is the least we could do. Nigel paused long enough to clean his glasses with a handkerchief. There is more to those zombies you dispatched earlier. M&W has reason to believe that an unknown party absconded with at least one zombie from Skull Island. Mateo frowned. Skull Island was the one place on Earth known to be habitated by zombies. It was also home to Zombie Strike, the reality-slash-game-slash-extreme sports show. The revenues from that show, along with M&W's covert support, paid for highly trained teams of game wardens to prevent people from snatching a zombie off the island. We found evidence of this when an outbreak was discovered in Panama, around the canal zone, Nigel continued. Now the outbreak here. And needless to say, this has the firm's attention. 
Uh, so what Mateo asked with a touch of frustration, you want me to track down a possible smuggler? I'm not a PI. I wouldn't have any idea how to investigate something like this. Nigel was unfazed by Mateo's retort. That isn't really our concern, Nigel said. The firm has already retained some of the finest investigators available. Former members of your Federal Bureau of Investigation, as well as some from Tim's house, those people would be from the British Secret Intelligence Service, also known as MI5. I believe we have an investigative team already tracking the perpetrators. What the firm would like to, from you would be to lead the armed response team that is being assembled to insist or to assist the investigators. Mateo's eyes narrowed. Lead a team again, Mateo asked with a deadly quiet voice. Do you really think that's a good idea? No, Nigel said, shaking his head. I don't think you're ready yet. You're one of the few individuals on the planet that can actually do combat with the zombies. And you have actually led a team into combat with zombies. Those qualities cannot be overlooked, especially with time being a critical factor. Come on, boss man. I got your back, the Steve said, striking his familiar pose. Brilliant smile and both thumbs up. I can't, Mateo said. You're right, Nigel. I am one of the few that can face zombies without fleeing in terror. Yes, I can fight them, but I can't lead a team for you. I'll help your team out as a shooter. I can do that much. The Steve looked crestfallen, but Nigel nodded in understanding. Will you be willing to be an operator on the armed response team? Nigel asked the Steve, even if Mr. Cortez is not the leader. Yeah, the Steve said grudgingly. Someone's got to show the newbies how things are done. Well then, I will leave you two to catch up, Nigel said. The doctor will be in by the morning to check the shoulder. Barring anything unforeseen, Mr. Cortez, you should be released shortly after that. Please expect our team leader to contact you within 48 hours. Mateo and the Steve said goodbye as Nigel walked out of the room. Nigel stepped out into the muggy floor tonight. He couldn't understand how civilized human beings could live in such an environment. The humidity was bad enough that Nigel wondered if he would need gills just to walk around. Grumbling, Nigel pulled a phone out of his jacket. He still had one phone call to make before he could retire for the evening. I assume you owe me 20 bucks now, said the deep, melodic voice in greeting. How's our boy? He dislocated his shoulder during his brief skirmish, Mr. Blanchard. Brown asked, annoyed, more at himself than anything else. Mr. Cortez should be fine for our purposes. How did you know how he would react to our proposal? My brother, I know my people. Ken Blanchard answered. Ken, a.k.a. the black man with a gun, was popularly known as the host of Zombie Strike and the head honcho at Skull Island. But Ken was also M&W's operational commander for dealing with the growing number of zombie incidents. Ken liked to see himself as a sort of Nick Fury-type leader of the anti-zombie forces. After being forced to watch some of America's superhero movies, Nigel could see a bit of the character in Ken's bearing. 
but Nigel believed it was the compassionate preacher side of the man that truly allowed Ken to bring out the best in those under. I won't deny Mr. Cortez's ability as a zombie hunter, but I still believe we're doing him a disservice by bringing him into this operation. Nigel protested, hoping to change Ken's mind. Nigel, the man's been chosen, with a capital C, Ken said with an earnest sincerity. You've read over what we've recovered from that temple? You can call it fate if it makes it easier for you. But Matt's one of the keys. He just needs a nudge down the right path. This is Zombie Strike. What do you think of the Urban Shooter podcast? Leave a review for Ken on iTunes at the end of this show. All right, I'm still working out this whole microphone thing. You know, I went to an um, audio shop and found out they have compressors and preamps and audio interfaces and special doodads that um, I got to have it. I mean, wow. I guess if I was in a real radio station, they'd have all this stuff already, but since I'm working from the bottom of the house and uh, I'm just learning. Like, for example, I just found out a little button here on my system that hopefully just changed the sound a little bit um, than it was before. So let me know if this sounds better to you. I'm still working out the audio. Welcoming Bobby F. from Texas and Scott from Salt Lake to the Urban Shooter Association. Thank you, brothers, for becoming a part of the fun team. Also, I um, want to hear from the Canadian brothers like Carson. I haven't heard from you in a while, man. Hope you're doing okay. Also, shout out to Ben, my brother from a different mother out in California. Or was it Texas? Alan, Rick, Gary, Derek, thanks again, man, for Zombie Strike. Phil in Illinois, thanks, man, for the good words. Jason and Darren from Nebraska, thank you, man. And my new friend, Richard, from North Carolina, hope to see you soon. I am going to start some meetups, and um, that's going to be, that's a good suggestion, man. Got to work on that one. The bad part is I'm actually getting a schedule. That's scary. Going to need a, an assistant and uh, a lawyer here shortly. So if you would like to be a part of the Urban Shooter Association, you got some skills, whether it be writing, graphic design, uh, we're building an organization now. It's we've gone past the podcast. We're, we're past that point. We're moving on into something huge. If you want to be a part of the team, send me an email or call me and let's talk. My email, I don't believe I gave it to you. It is ken at urbanshooterpodcast.com or blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. And my number is 888-772-6262. It's a voicemail. You can leave a message. You can send me a yo mama joke and uh, you can just say whatever. And if you want me to play it on the air, I can. If not, I'll just return the call at the earliest convenience. All right. Did you get it? It's triple eight seven seven two six two six two. What's the deal with the yo mama jokes? You don't know. Well, let me tell you this. This, this is what happened. When I was a little kid, I was... um kind of sickly and skinny and got beat up a lot. And there was this bully. This was like 
maybe first or second grade. Uh, big guy. He was big for his age. And uh, he was like the king of the bullies. Well, he and I had to fight after school one day. And uh, he fell, unfortunately. And fortunately for me, he slipped. And I got the chance to get on top of him. And I pummeled him. Tried to beat him to a, to a great pulp. And um, when everybody left and the teachers came and grabbed us and we sat in detention, we became friends. Well, this was an unlikely pair. It was kind of like a Lenny and a Squiggy, I guess, or, or the Grapes of Wrath guy. It was like a big guy and a little guy. We're both kids, though. Um, we became friends from that point on. We were inseparable until boot camp. Um, and he used to get teased for being fat. And I got teased for being sickly, a mama's boy, um, and whatever else the guys could say. I couldn't play sports either. I sucked. That was the other piece of it. Um, so he and I would toughen each other up mentally by insulting each other. And we learned to have better comebacks against people who would you know, try to mentally hurt us. So we start off with the yo mama jokes. And it became our way of like, Having fun. We sit on the porch and say, your mama is so fat. When she moved, the sun came up, you know, stuff like that. Just the stupid stuff. And we'd howl and laugh. And then if somebody came and teased him about being fat, he had a comeback that was tactically great, which either didn't hurt their feelings, made them look stupid or made them go away. Or we all laughed about it. And we kind of toughened ourselves up um, with that. So um, as time went on, That yo mama thing just kind of stuck with me as a, you know, an endearment mission. A thing that, um, it's silly to some people, but it's funny how you start off and how you end. The boot camp thing happened. Um, my friend never uh, made it through boot camp. That's when we, we like parted ways. Uh, went through in a buddy program and uh, he left boot camp didn't didn't graduate and that separated us right there isn't that weird about sports how you can be labeled if you're not really good at it well after I got a little older especially after I got away from home I found out that the reason I sucked at it so bad was that I was probably born left-handed and my stepfather tried to make sure that I was a right-hander because it wasn't normal to be left-handed and he was trying to man me up and everything he did was totally counterproductive. So you would throw like a girl if you were throwing right-handed and you were really left-handed, that kind of stuff. So as I left home, basically almost ran away from home, joined the Marines and uh, found out that if you throw something at me and I caught it with my left hand or I picked up the rifle and I shot it left-handed or I picked up a pool cue and shot it left-handed or I'm boxing after I learn how to box and I'm a southpaw, then the lights kind of come on. So I'm a late bloomer and uh, I learned how to do the best of both worlds. That's just my story. But it's also interesting to note that in a family that everybody's so athletic and you stink, something's wrong. Guns have always been a special thing for me. Firearms always allow you to be equal. In sports especially. 
you don't have to jump and run as fast as the other person. You don't have to have um, vertical skills like um, Al, I was going to say AI, um, Allen Iverson or um, Michael Jordan, any of those guys. But if you can control yourself, if you're a good shot, if you're a disciplined shooter, if you can hit a bullseye, it's amazing. See, everybody can't shoot a jumper. It might be a crime like it was in my family. So I learned how to, how to play better. Now I'm okay. As an old guy, not too bad. But back in the day, I stunk. Not knowing that everybody's a little bit different. Everybody learns a little bit different. That's why I love the whole shooting sports thing. You can be a little pudgy and be an excellent shot. You can be a little short and be an excellent shot. You can be a real tall guy that can't fit in the cockpit of a plane, but you could be an awesome marksman. They are, and guns are, the apple, the equal opportunity sport. Love it. Just in case you're new to the firearms world, there's a firearm for you, just like shoes. You ever go into like a DSW or one of those big old Payless shoe stores where there's like just massive boxes of shoes everywhere? Well, all those shoes aren't for you, but there is a shoe with your name on it. There is a firearm. There is a type of shooting. There is a sport. There is a, a discipline that has your name on it. Whether it be cowboy action or silhouette shooting or shotgunning, sporting clays, traps, skeet, action shooting, IPSC, IDPA, there is something that's your flavor. And you'll never know that by looking at the news and all the other stuff that's out there. And as soon as you're exposed to it, you're gone, out of the atmosphere, home run, baby. Because now you can compete and you're pretty darn good at it. But you'd never know that listening to all the doomsayers and the negative people talking about how firearms are bad. And if you don't know, ask somebody. Hi, Urban Shooter listeners and lovers. Visit the new UrbanShooterPodcast.com. There's a new email contact, and you can read past and new show notes for each episode, comment directly online, check out the wiki, the zombie page, and all the cool stuff on UrbanShooterPodcast.com. ever thought about what kind of holster you were going to carry your concealed weapon in? Well, have I got a holster for you. Crossbreedholsters.com. They're most famous, the inside the waistband super tuck. One heck of a holster. Crossbreed holsters come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. That's crossbreedholsters.com, or you can reach them at 1-888-732- 5011. That's crossbreedholsters.com. Do you like Urban Shooter? Then send Ken an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Do you want to support the show and start something new? You can become a member of the new Urban Shooter Association for $4 a month and keep the mission going strong. Look for the USA link on the website. All right, that's it for this week's show. I'm going to call it quits. In all honesty, um, by the time you hear this, 
I will probably be in Nassau, Bahamas. I am doing a wedding on a beach in the Bahamas this week. Oh, man, it's good to be a servant of God. Until next week, this is your friend and brother from a different mother wishing you peace. Shalom, baby. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week.